You know, I'm just so excited because it's finally happening. Dr. Isabella Wentz and I are coming together for an interview. Finally. So like I say in the beginning, thyroid pharmacist meets thyroid fixer. And Isabella is bringing her deep knowledge. She wrote a book. We're going to be talking about it on adrenal dysfunction, along with her own story and beautifully ties it into the thyroid. You know, Isabella, she's been in this space forever. If you're a listener of mine, I know you know who she is. She is the thyroid pharmacist. She's written multiple books. She's had a very successful blog. She has an amazing supplement line. But now today she's shifted her focus. Well, not really shifted. She brings in Hashimoto's because Hashimoto's is such a mainstay when we're talking about adrenal dysfunction and adrenal dysfunction is tied to Hashimoto's. So she still brings her knowledge and her experience in her Hashimoto's journey. But we tie in the adrenals, really going into how you can heal yourself and do it on the cheap, if not free, but really take steps to heal yourself. And then you could see a huge change, a huge shift in your own thyroid journey. Because maybe you are one of those who you're doing all the things and you're taking the right thyroid medication. Maybe you're even optimized on paper but you're still experiencing symptoms, this might be the key for you. So listen to this and implement exactly what she says. Get her book and take some notes. Dr. Isabella Wentz, this is such a long time in the making. It truly is the thyroid pharmacist and the thyroid fixer coming together to finally have a discussion on all things thyroid. But we're going to pull in adrenals here too because of your new book, which is really transforming lives. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. So we're going to dive into adrenal dysfunction, your new book, The Adrenal Transformation Protocol, which I absolutely love, 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 love. So thank you so much, Isabella, for coming on. And I'm just, I'm totally geeked out, super excited for this. Hi, Amy. So great to be here with you. I love your work and thank you for everything you're doing for our thyroid community. Thank you too. Thank you too. No, I think between the two of us, we, we have it covered. We're helping a ton of people. So we have to start before we dive into adrenals and I ask all the questions that are in my head to ask you, got to start with your own personal story because you and I both have that pain to purpose story that the reason why we're in this space is through our own trials and tribulations in the conventional medicine system. And I know yours lasted a lot longer than mine. Yours was like a year of suffering. So can you tell us your story of Hashimoto's and then blend in, how did you bring in the adrenal piece as well? 
Sure. So full disclosure, I was never interested in a thyroid gland during pharmacy school. I just thought it was like, you have a thyroid condition you take this one medication. And I didn't know why a lot of the women that were coming to the pharmacy were still struggling, even though they were getting their thyroid medications, right? It wasn't really that I began to really appreciate the intricacies of thyroid conditions and how important the thyroid gland is. When I got diagnosed myself with Hashimoto's, after almost a decade of some debilitating symptoms, I had chronic fatigue, I had carpal tunnel syndrome, pain everywhere in my body, cramping, anxiety, panic disorders, hair loss, acid reflux, irritable bowel syndrome, kind of like you name it. And I had it and none of the symptoms were like, you know, cancer or anything that was really, I guess that where people would, would recognize that and take it seriously. People were like, oh, you're tired because everybody's tired or you're getting some weight because that's what happens when you get older and you're losing your memory because you're just getting older. And it just, everything that was going on, I was sort of just dismissed by whoever I was coming to. I had some physicians that would do my labs and they would say, you're not anemic. Great news. Your cholesterol looks amazing. <laughs> you're, you know, this, this looks great. Nothing's wrong with you. And I was like, if nothing's wrong with me, why am I so exhausted? Why am I sleeping 12 hours a night? Why do I have carpal tunnel? Why am I allergic to every single thing in my environment? And then at that point, I had already been a pharmacist for a few years where I just started really digging. And I realized that not all doctors were created equally. And so I sought out more care and I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and thyroid antibodies that were in the 2000 plus range, which can be an indicator of a really aggressive attack on the thyroid glands. And since that time I've learned it was, it's kind of like, obviously this is why I had panic attacks after never having panic attacks my whole life that they were sudden onset just because of those high thyroid antibodies. And so I became a thyroid expert by ways of having to take charge of my own health and by ways of being a human guinea pig to really get myself to feel better. Because as we know, thyroid meds can really help, but they don't really get to the root cause. And there's oftentimes a lot of other things that are going on in a person's body before they get that thyroid diagnosis that perhaps led them to develop an autoimmune thyroid condition. And there's also consequences of having low thyroid function for a certain amount of time in the body. So there's a lot of things we need to fix, right? Right. So what was your root cause? Because this all happened to you before you had your beautiful baby, which I mean, in our world, as you know, and as our listeners know, so many times it's, Oh, after that first pregnancy, after that second pregnancy, that's when the autoimmune switch turned on. Now we know it can be other stressors as well. So what was that underlying cause for you? Is that where the adrenals come in or was it something else? I think for a lot of women, you know, pregnancy can be an important trigger. So can perimenopause as well as puberty. My thyroid problems, I initially thought they started during puberty, but the, the longer I think back about it, they probably started when I was exposed to Chernobyl as a three, three and a half year old child, four year old child, when I lived in Poland, close to the Ukrainian border. Mm -hmm. And I think they were, you know, essentially not that there's necessarily one root cause, but that can be an initial thing that shifts your immune system to attack the thyroid gland. Then I had an Epstein-Barr virus infection in my first year of college, and I was never quite the same after that. And then I had IBS. And that IBS situation, it was like, you know, I, I had the fatigue after 
the Epstein-Barr virus, but with the IBS onset, I was, that's just kind of, I guess, accelerated everything. And so to get my health back, I really had to focus on a whole host of things. One of them was treating a protozoal infection known as blastocystis hominis that helped to get my Hashimoto's into remission. But that's certainly not all I did. I had to change my diet, address my adrenals, do some liver detox and a whole host of other things that, you know, when we think about it, it's, it's not as simple as just like one little thing in autoimmune disease. There's usually a a breakdown of the system. You get a gut infection and so then you don't detox properly. And so then you end up with some toxins that can be sort of perpetuating the cycle. For sure. And I mean, my gosh, you were slammed with so many different things. I mean, you had it coming at you from all different directions. So we can see why that switch was flipped for you. But to look at you now, I mean, you were just the beautiful pillar of health. So where did the adrenals come in for you? Was that later? Was that years after you went through your Hashimoto's diagnosis, healed yourself, and then obviously went on to help other people? How did the adrenals come in for you? So I've had three instances of adrenal dysfunction that I'm aware of. The first one was on my initial healing journey. When I first started on thyroid meds, I was excited to get started on them. But then all of a sudden I felt more tired and more anxious and just something wasn't right. And then I started talking to the various people in the integrative space and somebody mentioned adrenal fatigue. Now, first 10 times I heard that term, I was like, you know, Mayo Clinic said it doesn't exist, therefore it's not a real disorder. And finally, I think I got desperate enough where I was like, okay, let me look into it. And sure enough, I had all the symptoms and then the treatments helped me. So that was part of my healing journey initially where I went gluten-free and dairy-free and that helped eliminate a lot of my symptoms, but then I still had like that anxiety, the blood sugar swings, the panic attacks, and just wasn't quite feeling refreshed and energetic until I really addressed that component. And then I have to tell you, Amy, I spent most of my twenties with like chronic fatigue. So then when I got my energy back and when I was like, like I have a million ideas. I have this bucket list and all the things that I wanted to do. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to operate in my like new body. Right. Cause I had endless energy and I didn't know how to like conserve it because prior to that, it was my, it was by basically like my body would just be like, no go. We're not, we're not going to do anything. You're just so tired. You're always on the couch that when I got my energy back, I was like, I'm going to do everything. And after that point, I created a documentary series called the thyroid secret to help people take charge of their own health. I released a new book on Hashimoto's Hashimoto's protocol. And then I also started a supplement line and I had like this huge group of amazing people working for me that I was like managing without knowing what I was doing. So sorry to all of those people. Um, <laughs> but I, I ended up essentially burning myself out from just working too much. And so the second time for me to recover my adrenals, I was like, okay, this is, this is very clear. So I really focused on taking a sabbatical, sleeping as much as I could, and just really simplifying my life and not being, you know, not trying to make up for lost time, which is something that I advise my clients and readers to do when you get your energy back, please pace yourself friends, because it's amazing to have your energy back, but you know, let's pace ourselves. 
Uh, see, so, now you're you're speaking all the type A's, right? I mean, that's what we do. We drive ourselves into the ground. And I think so many listeners right now who are those badasses, who are those type A's, are nodding with you going, oh, yeah, okay, I know how she feels. I totally do that. And it's just, it's it's a symptom of who you are, but it's not necessarily a, a good trait all of the time. Well, it's kind of like when you've got your T3 optimized, it's like maybe you could benefit from some reverse T3 right then and there, right? <laughs> so you, slow you it down. To, you this have is... to be your own reverse T3. You have to manage yourself, right? Be your own reverse T3. I like that. That could be a T-shirt. We got we to gotta do that. So. <laughs> Let's do it. And then I think the third instance was when I became a new mom. So in 2018, I had a beautiful son. His name's Dimitri. You could see his little picture. <laughs> he just graduated from preschool. And I just, I mean, I was overjoyed and I've, I'm just so excited to be a mom. I, for the first, when I was first diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I didn't know if I could ever become a mom. And I also had markers of premature ovarian failure. And so it just, just didn't know if it would ever happen. And so when he came, I was just, you know, just so excited and so ecstatic somewhat unprepared too. I thought that kids slept when they were three months old because I read that in one book. And then like, apparently he didn't read that book. He didn't get the memo. So he was not sleeping until, you know, probably close to three years of age, but I didn't have the support systems in place to, to like get through that. I thought like it was like a three month sprint and then you're done. I don't know what I was thinking, but I ended up with adrenal dysfunction when he was like eight months old and he was waking up frequently throughout the night. And I was like, oh, I could still like work and like be a full-time mom at the same time and do all the things. And it, that, that doesn't work. So I, um, I, at that point I was like, okay, I know I could test myself. And sure enough, the tests were like flatlined adrenals, but I was like, I can't really do like the pregnenolone and the hormones because I'm nursing. I didn't want my baby to grow chest hair. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I also can't sleep for 12 hours a night because you know, this little human, I can't take a 30 day sabbatical from this little human. Yeah, Maybe yeah. some people could, that, that just wasn't really my lifestyle. So I had to come up with a new way. Wow. Okay. That catapulted you into a whole new realm then of digging into your own health and then using that to help other people. So before, before we get into what you did, what you're using on clients, what you're telling people in the new book and even testing, I want to back up to that adrenal fatigue label, because like you said, well, Mayo Clinic says it doesn't exist. And I think even in our world with everybody that we come in contact with, so many individuals say, I think my adrenals are blown out. Or you'll just hear randomly hear someone say like, I think I have adrenal fatigue. It's like, do you? I don't know. I think that term is overused a lot. But yet, then at the same time, we're not looking into it enough in conventional yeah. medicine. And it will definitely not in conventional medicine, but even in functional medicine, I don't know that we're giving it enough love. I think it's almost like the boy that cried wolf. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. You, you have adrenal fatigue. Okay. So does your grandma and everybody else, you know, but for you, you really did have adrenal dysfunction. So let's talk about that term a little bit more, dive a little bit more into adrenal fatigue and actually what it is and how it manifests in someone. So this term was coined by a naturopathic doctor. I think it was like 25 years ago, maybe Dr. James Wilson. And he 
noticed this pattern in people where they were tired, mildly depressed. They felt wired, but tired in the evenings. They had sensitivity to bright lights, salt cravings, blood sugar swings. They felt hangry that had, they had that 3 PM crash. They were oftentimes anxious and brain fog, trouble sleeping at night, unrefreshing sleep, had libido issues. And this, this whole like plethora of symptoms and so when he investigated the symptoms, he thought, okay, kind of sounds like a mild version of Addison's, which is a condition where 90% of the adrenal glands will be destroyed by the immune system. And that person ends up with low cortisol throughout the day. And they oftentimes almost always need some kind of a medication to bring their levels to survival states, because we do need cortisol in our lives to manage our immune system, manage inflammation to stay alive, right? And so he thought that the adrenal, these symptoms, and he called that adrenal fatigue, were a mild version of Addison's and that perhaps rather than 90% of the adrenal glands being destroyed, maybe 20% of them were destroyed or 30%. Now, since that time, we've learned that's not necessarily the accurate mechanism of action in what's why people get these symptoms. What's going on more accurately is that there's a feedback loop between our brain and our adrenal glands. So our brain tells the adrenal glands to make hormones and when it's been overloaded for too long. So our brain picks up the input, which is stress. When we've had too much stress for too long of the time, the, the system will kind of shut itself off or kind of start modifying itself so that we're not constantly releasing all that cortisol. And so there's a, a bit of a downregulation of, of that system. And what can happen is rather than a person's adrenals being tired, sleepy, sluggish, partially destroyed, is that there's a communication breakdown between that brain and those adrenal glands. Although, you know, it is still a low, it can be a low cortisol state where a person does not produce enough cortisol throughout the day. There's also a few other kind of dysfunctional patterns that can happen where a person's cortisol bounces up and down throughout the day, where we want it to be higher in the morning and lower throughout the day until it's low enough in the evening where we can sleep. And then people can also have a flipped cortisol curve where they have not enough cortisol in the morning. They have trouble waking up too much cortisol in the evening. They become night owls, or they have just too much cortisol all day, every day. And this can be, you know, usually a person who's doing it all overworking and, you know, the, the mom of seven of three kids who's working full time and getting her graduate degree and taking care of her elderly parents as so somebody that's overperforming. And so I guess definitely uh, conventional medicine will say that the only condition that we need to worry about is like Addison's and Cushing. And then this adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. And I, I would say it does exist for the people that are going through it the accurate description from a scientific state standpoint would be hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction, HPA axis dysfunction, adrenal dysfunction is another way of putting it. It's, it's kind of like people used to say like leaky gut doesn't exist, but intestinal permeability is real. That's kind of what I'm comparing it to these days. Right. Exactly. Now that's a great description. And so when we're seeing it, you, you went into some of the symptoms that people see, and you and I talked off camera before we started about those individuals who maybe they are on thyroid treatment, 
which as you know, I'm a huge fan of, you know, let's replace those thyroid hormones that are no longer being properly made at the same time, addressing diet and lifestyle and leaky gut and adrenals and hormones. So let's do it all. But there are some times I know even with my patients, so I want my patients listening to listen to Isabella today. There are some times we can be doing all the things your thyroid numbers can look absolutely perfect on paper. And, and even the dose that you're on, we go, this should be working. This is, this is a fantastic dose of T3. All of your numbers look perfect. And you're still telling me that you don't feel quite right. Or like you said, Isabella earlier, you feel good in the beginning. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, not so much. Here comes all the symptoms again. And what's going on? Do we need more medication? or is it the adrenals? So can you kind of dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, it happens very frequently where people think, oh, I just need to get my medication adjusted and then they'll go back. And it's like, but your numbers look beautiful, right? What's going on? And even from a functional standpoint, the numbers could be optimized and they could be on T3 or natural desiccated thyroid and still having symptoms. Now, this is because there's an intricate feedback loop between thyroid hormones and cortisol. And so if we have too much cortisol or cortisol fluctuations, we might find ourselves with too much reverse T3 and that can cause some issues. But also the pattern that I've seen in about 60% of people in with that I've worked with with Hashimoto's is that low cortisol state. And here's the thing, if we have hypothyroidism, our bodies will hold on to cortisol a bit longer. So our cortisol metabolism slows down. And so you might have quote unquote, like cortisol stepping in for being hypothyroid. But once you get on that proper thyroid treatment that you need, that you deserve, that you'll benefit from that cortisol clearance can normalize, which means it increases. And so you're actually left with, you know, it, it can uncover a cortisol issue or an adrenal issue where people will be like kind of in the normal range of cortisol before they get on thyroid meds and low thyroid. And then you optimize their thyroid and all of a sudden it reveals that cortisol deficiency. And so that's, that's an opportunity to really focus on optimizing, you know, another hormone, right? Absolutely. Now, will we always see that in labs and we can get into the proper way to test cortisol. But ironically, right before we jumped on, I opened a patient's Dutch test and sure enough, cortisol and cortisone are bottomed out. I mean, flatline. And this is the classic person that we've been treating her. She felt better in the beginning. And now she's saying, hence why we did the Dutch test. Now she's saying there's something not right. There's something not right. There's something going on here that isn't right. So we went one step further because I wanted to check her pathways for methylation of hormones. But as you know, with the Dutch test, you have that beautiful cortisone and cortisol marker and it's flatlined low. And I love that you do the Dutch test with your patients and you dig into that. The challenge I've had with a lot of the people that I educate and that I work with is that they will try to go back because I'm online and I write books. People will say, you know, they'll say, I went and got my adrenals tested, right? And my doctor said my labs were normal. And I'm like, okay, but they'll go and get a blood test, right? Right. And they won't have altered cortisol levels. So I always try to really educate people. You can get function, you'll, you'll need to work with an integrative practitioner and get either 
a cortisol saliva test, an adrenal saliva test, or if you could find somebody extra special who's had lots of training, maybe do the Dutch test. Cause I can tell you as a practitioner, I've been reviewing them for, I don't know, maybe eight years and I still learn something new <laughs> every time. No, every single time I'm with you there. I prefer the four point saliva, just a regular four point saliva. But if someone wants to do the Dutch test after they're on hormone therapy, then yeah, absolutely. And it gives us that bonus, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like the saliva testing, just that simple four point, which it's affordable too. It's affordable and it's a little bit easier to explain to patients. Like I, I actually tell people they could self-order those labs and they can oftentimes interpret them. Oftentimes though, I feel like the Dutch can tell us a bit more, especially about some of the, the metabolism. But, you know, in, in my kind of upper, in my, I guess, desire to like really educate the masses, I've, I've kind of been to the point where I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I had just recently, I have a account with GI map and I've switched over to Rupa for all mm -hmm. of my clients, but I'll still yeah. use my account for like testing my husband or myself or my son. And then I saw like a name pop up there. And I was like, I don't, you know, who, who is this? I haven't worked with them in a few years. And somebody had the test for like four or five years. And so sometimes people, you know, even when they go and get the test from their practitioner, it's like, sometimes it's three months. Sometimes it's three years before they like actually do the test. Right. It's like hard to, hard to do it. And then I'm like, in that month, we could have like totally transformed your life just by doing some lifestyle changes that are going to be adaptogenic in nature. So whether you have high cortisol, low cortisol, bouncy cortisol, we're going to be able to give you some solid lifestyle foundational things so that you feel better without like having to wait for the test results. Like I love tests. I would, you know, I, I even, I even had a dog that I would do functional medicine testing for, but <laughs> I know it's not necessarily affordable and accessible. So I always try to educate people about their symptoms too. So it's like, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you probably have some degree of adrenal dysfunction and there are strategies that can help you if you're having morning fatigue and that brain fog and the anxiety and blood sugar swings, trouble falling asleep at night, feeling wired and tired, sensitivity to bright lights, all of those things where I'll say like, this is a really good sign that you will want to definitely give your adrenals and your stress response some TLC. Yeah, definitely. And you go into that so beautifully in your book too, diving into all the different symptoms that I'm sure many of the listeners can check the box on that they have this, this, and this. We're going to get into what you recommend in terms of treatment and protocols in a second. I wanted to pick your brain on specifically Paul Robinson's work with the circadian T3 method. What do you think about using T3 to bump up the adrenals in those low points? You know, if we see it on, on the saliva panel, we see those low markers or somebody's flat line low. What about using T3 to specifically bump that up in conjunction with the lifestyle? Or do you find that that exacerbates the problem and makes them more stressed and wears out the adrenals further? Man, I think that's such an interesting protocol. And I don't personally have experience with utilizing that for individuals. What I've really focused on is trying to kind of address like, why are you feeling like that? Why are you feeling overwhelmed? I I know I've have had some people whose lives have been changed by circadian T3 dosing. 
people that nothing else has worked and they've tried and it can be challenging to find that right practitioner. And for some patients, it's challenging to remember <laughs> to take their medications throughout the day. So I, I personally don't have a lot of experience with rebalancing adrenals that way. The protocols that I have worked with before were featuring pregnenolone and DHEA and low doses of hydrocortisone, um, as well as glandulars throughout the day to support the patterns. And there's, you know, every... Every protocol has a has a pro and a con to it with some of the things that I've worked with. You know, they may require a prescription, so it's not always accessible, or some of the hormones can overconvert to other things. And so my approach in this particular protocol has really focused on things that most people can utilize even without a prescription. And you know, I'm a pharmacist, so I love all kinds of prescription drugs and biohacking and various dosage formulations. But at the same time, I unfortunately, I don't have experience with that particular one. And I totally put you on the spot there, but I, I just brought it in because I know that you talk a lot about the circadian rhythm and how important it is to reset that. Just even simple things like going out into the sunlight, looking at the sun, you know, going to bed at a normal time, really getting those adrenals in line so that you are tired at night instead of being wired and tired and being a night owl, which is not good for anybody. So I just totally put you on the spot, but I wanted to pick your brain on that. In your book, you talk a lot about helping your body feel safe in order to heal and how to actually send those safety signals to the body, which, I mean, that's what I love about the book is just like what you said, these are things that anybody can do. You don't have to be working with a practitioner, a functional practitioner, an integrated practitioner. You don't have to beg for medication to heal. These are things that you can implement right now at home. So can you dive into what exactly do you mean by those safety signals and feeling safe in your body? So one of the things I would focus on is trying to figure out what are the sources of stress in your body. And sometimes people have obvious stress, like an annoying coworker or a long commute to work, right? And that's super obvious, but there's also things that we can be doing in our day-to-day -day life that may not be obvious stressors. For example, eating too much sugar, too many carbs, that can be a stressor for our bodies because that can put us on a blood sugar roller coaster and then cortisol may need to step in to kind of bring about some balance. And so we focus on eating for blood sugar balance. We add more protein, add more fat, limit the carbohydrate intake so that we have a more smooth ride along with our blood sugar that, that supports our cortisol levels from bouncing up and down as well. And then thinking about other patterns, are we under eating? Are we over-exercising? Are we under-exercising? Are we not sleeping enough? Are we burning the candle at both ends, right? These are some general lifestyle things we can do. Are we spending time with people that perhaps are more toxic than some of the inflammatory foods that we're eating. There, there's a list of things that I have people go through and I'll have them take a piece of paper and put a line down the middle and write, this makes me feel better. This makes me feel worse. And they'll say this kind of, you know, this, this thing makes me feel so much better. And it's usually spending time in nature, being with loved ones. And this makes me feel worse. And they sort of develop their own protocols. And I really want to educate people about being able to understand their own bodies. And it all seems so, you know, common sense, like, especially to you and I, because we're always trying to eat more protein and of course don't eat the sugar. And of course don't eat the garbage. But when you have people write it down, 
and you see it in front of you. And I mean, your book goes into way more detail than what we're talking about here, but I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in seeing it on paper because even as you were speaking just now and saying, you know, draw a line and write it out, I can, I can picture even my patients writing it down and having that aha moment of how impactful one or two things are in their life to their health. I actually had a patient that told me not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, she was a CPA. She went through tax season this past year and she, we had her to a really nice optimal point. She had lost weight. She was feeling better than she ever had in an entire life, went through tax season with her own business and plummeted. I mean, her health went in the toilet. So here we are, we can see clearly that level of stress equals consequences on her health. And it was apparent in a very short amount of time. She sold her business. Liz, you have to sometimes choose between, yeah, here's your business that you built and it's bringing in the cash or your health. Well, what good is the cash if you don't have your health? Yeah, absolutely. And I was just going to say, let's be kind to CPAs, especially in the month of April, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But that's that's the impact that, I mean, obviously that's a major stress situation, but just like you're talking about, Isabella, writing it down, maybe there's somebody in your life that is more toxic than the food you put in your mouth, which is entirely possible. So I think seeing that on paper is so helpful for people. This is a really great place to start for people. And it's, it's you know, you ever see those memes on Instagram? It's like, oh my gosh, I have horrible news, you guys. But it turns out that eating for blood sugar balance getting morning sunshine and meditating and doing yoga and cutting out toxic people. It actually works, right? Like you actually do feel better. Go figure, right? It actually works. <laughs> and you've had tremendous success. I mean, you actually have some stats, some data on people that have gone through your ATP program and it's phenomenal. I mean, what are we at? 3,500 plus yeah, of people with positive results. 3,500, yeah, 3,500 people that have gone through it. We have a group just starting right now as well. And the amazing thing, Amy, is like, they will start off feeling like overwhelmed and burned out and just so depleted. And by like week three, they're like, I'm running up and down my stairs. My getting so much done. My libido has come back. And it, it's just amazing to watch the transformations. I, I focus a lot on some of the traditional things that help people, but I also focus on mitochondrial support and personal transformation techniques. I feel like the mitochondrial support has been a game changer for a lot of the women and men, because we have about a 92% reduction in brain fog from, from people going through the program in about three weeks. And then we'll have fatigue improving, sleep issues, libido issues improving in more than 80% of the time. And you know, this, it kind of, those stats kind of became apparent with the mitochondrial support where, where some of the traditional adrenal support was helping a lot, but with that mitochondrial protocol, there was a lot of synergy and I didn't see it with just using mitochondrial support. So it's been, it's been an interesting learning experience for me just to see how, when you combine certain protocols, you can get such synergy. And I was just going to ask you about the, the supplemental protocols, because I know the go-to for most practitioners in the functional space 
is to throw an adrenal adaptogen at someone, which may or may not help. And sometimes they'll give someone an adrenal adaptogen without knowing if they are in the beginning stages of adrenal fatigue and pumping out cortisol like crazy, or they're at the end stages and they have no cortisol. They'll just throw on, here's some ashwagandha, have a great day. So what are your thoughts on those kind of standard protocols? I mean, I'm sure there's some benefit but I really like how you're bringing in the mitochondrial support too and how it all has to work together. I think that adaptogens can be very helpful for the right people. And generally what I like about them is whether you have cortisol that's too high or too low or bouncing all over the place, they help to balance things out in a very gentle way for most of them. I have seen people utilize glandulars, adrenal glandulars, and I think those are the ones that I get a little bit more concerned about when people do it without testing, because, you know, you may not need adrenal glandulars if you have cortisol that's too high. A practitioner will look at somebody and be like, okay, you must have high cortisol. Here's some phosphatidylserine, which lowers your cortisol, which you're only supposed to use for a few weeks at bedtime. But I've had clients that were on it for like three years. I'm like, why are you on this? You're barely, you know, making any cortisol. Yep. Um, and so I get concerned more about like the practitioners using supplements that lower cortisol or make it higher if they're not testing that person's cortisol levels very frequently. But adaptogens tend to be well tolerated and safe for most people when they're used in the right dosages. And I think a lot of people will say like, everybody around me is a little bit less annoying since I've started to take these. So a lot of people do enjoy them. Well, thank you. No, you and I are on the same same pathway there, same thought process with just the overuse of willy-nilly throwing supplements at a patient and just not even really knowing where they're at in their adrenal journeys. I love it when another, when my guest says something that I've been saying for a while and it's like, I'm getting backed up here. So I have another expert saying the same thing. I love it. I love it. I like, I, I, well, I love the fact that you focus on the things that people can do for themselves. I mean, you and I both have a supplement line. I love supplements. They can do a lot of things, but if we don't have the base, if we don't have the lifestyle component, the stress component, the taking care of ourselves component, the feeling safe, like you're saying, that safety component, there's not enough supplements in the world <laughs> that are that's going to make you feel like you again and going to make you feel better. And you're going to end up doing what Isabella and I see all the time. You're going to buy 50 million supplements because you had an Instagram ad pop up or you read it in a blog and they're not going to work. They're Unfortunately, not. you can't out supplement a horrific lifestyle, right? If you're, and I feel like supplements like the adaptogens can get us through a tough season but I don't want people to be reliant on them. Just like, you know, coffee, we typically, I want people to be, have a healthy relationship with their coffee, right? I want them to be able to have it and enjoy it, but not be like, I need this to survive, right? I can't, I can't live without this. And same with the adaptogens and supplements. I want people, my goal is for people to get really resilient. And we do that through a lot of the lifestyle things. So you know, the exercises that we can do, the the mental things that we can do, the way that we eat, the way we fuel ourselves, some of the transformational techniques too, those can really be a big game changer for our resilience. Huge, huge game changers, huge, huge. 
So the the question before the last question that I know is on so many people's minds, what about caffeine since you mentioned it? Because I get this all the time. Well, do I have to stop coffee? Do I have to stop caffeine? So what is your answer on that? I used to tell people they had to like cold turkey caffeine to, you know, help their adrenals, but then I got wiser. <laughs> so I have had some people who would get off of the caffeine and they'd be like, I'm still like waking up multiple times throughout the night and I'm still exhausted and anxious. And I used to think that caffeine was the cause of all of that. And then I kind of realized, okay, well, people are like self-medicating with caffeine. And part of that could be because they have low cortisol in the morning, especially. And that caffeine could help them raise their cortisol levels whenever they drink it. And they, people do the same thing with wine, right? So they'll have high cortisol in the evenings and they'll want to wind themselves down to be able to rest and turn off their racy thoughts. And so they'll utilize wine for that. These days, I don't ever say like, you need to quit caffeine cold turkey. I actually will have people keep their caffeine as is for the first few weeks of the program, where we're focusing on balancing their blood sugar, bright light exposure, utilizing some mitochondrial support to help build their energy naturally. Before we like mention anything about caffeine and yes, I mean, if you're drinking eight cups of coffee a day, there's a good chance that's not great for your health, right? I don't care how clean the coffee is, right? And what kind of logos it has on it. But generally I want to have, I want people to have a healthy relationship with their caffeine and still enjoy their caffeine if they want to. Like I you know, I developed part of the reason I developed protocols was I was a new mom and I had just started drinking coffee. And I was like, man, I'm not giving up my coffee. And people say that you need this to heal your adrenals. So most of the people that go through the program, they will, they stay on their caffeine, but they'll have some kind of a reduction. And I introduce an optional caffeine wean later into the program where we'll say, we'll do it slowly and gradually. And we can start by like shifting it a little bit earlier. So it doesn't interfere with your sleep. Before I turned 35, I could drink caffeine any time of day and sleep just fine. Now that I'm 40, if I drink caffeine at 2.59, I will sleep. If I drink it at 3.01, I will be up the entire night, right? So learning about that or pushing it a little bit later. So give your cortisol an opportunity to rise by itself. So you're, you're not turning off your own cortisol response. You just made a lot of people happy. And I would say about a hundred of them that were on the fence are now over the fence and all in for you. So <laughs> just telling them that they can still have their coffee even in the beginning. So thank you, thank you. And last question now, what would you tell the listeners? Can you give them just a nugget or two that they can take away and start implementing And then we'll give them all of your information and we'll have the links in the show notes for your book and everything. But what would you tell the listeners that they can start doing today to either find out if they actually do have adrenal fatigue and that might be the testing, or if they do know, or they're resonating with all of the symptoms that you just mentioned, what can they do? Okay, definitely. So if you could start your morning with some light exposure, if you're tired in the morning, that will be really great for you. I would recommend an adrenal kickstart drink, which is a half a cup of orange juice, a little bit of electrolytes or sea salt, protein powder, and some coconut milk, blend that up. And that'll help you create your own healthy levels of cortisol throughout the day and set you up for a circadian rhythm success. 
And then really thinking about what are you going to do at night for better sleep? I would consider doing something like an Epsom salt bath, which will replenish your magnesium stores. Magnesium tends to get depleted when we're stressed out and that could relieve your migraines, your joint pains, your anxiety, your sleep issues, menstrual cramps. Those would be the three things I would recommend starting your recovery with. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, magnesium. We could do a whole episode on that and the importance of it. I'm glad you mentioned it because you're right, Mag gets depleted with stress. So not only might your adrenals be, well, your cortisol, we'll say your adrenals be bottomed up, but your cortisol is bottomed out. It's pulling your mag with it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes Bs and Cs as well and electrolytes. So a lot of times these foundational things can be really big game changers for your symptoms. And they're simple. They're simple things that people don't think about. Electrolytes, sodium, magnesium, taking an Epsom salt bath, looking at the sun. These are all such simple things that I think we, as in myself included, I am guilty of this, downplay the importance of. And when we get back to the basics, when we circle back to those basics so often, and I will do podcasts every so often about getting back to the basics because we forget how important they are. That can be the the thing that moves the needle in your health. And you wouldn't, just like the memes, right? You wouldn't even think just doing these simple things that I've been hearing about for so <laughs> long actually worked. I didn't need an increase in my T3 after all, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can just lower that reverse T3 by doing some of the stress reduction techniques, right? Sometimes you need more iron. Sometimes that could be driving your reverse T3. Sometimes you might need specific nutrients and whatnot, but at the same time, there's, I feel like stress reduction isn't going to hurt most people. Right. And you don't need to do like lab testing for it. (laughs) That's true. It's free. So yeah, exactly. Oh, Isabella, this has been amazing. I mean, obviously we're going to have you on again because you and I need to get together and talk so much more and we need to talk to the audience so much more. So we'll definitely have you back on and we'll have all of your information in the show notes, but from your own mouth, please tell people where they can find you and and a little bit more about your program too. Sure. My website is thyroidpharmacist.com. I'm on Facebook as thyroid pharmacist, Dr. Isabella Wentz. My Instagram is Isabella Wentz PharmD. And I have a new book called the Adrenal Transformation Protocol. It's a four-week plan to help you take charge of your own health and go from like surviving to thriving. So it targets like that brain fog, fatigue, sleep issues, anxiety, libido issues, pain, all of the things that signal adrenal dysfunction. And it's, it's just been amazing for me to see so many women going through it. And I mean, recovering their health. I kind of, once I had a baby, I was like, I don't think I'll write another book. It's so much work, but I ended up being like, okay, this really needs to get out into the world. So I'm excited to have it out there. And thank you so much, Dr. Amy, for having me on and everybody listening. I hope this was helpful. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. Thank you so much.